What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Thursday night edition of Jackson Kayak Doc Talk. Kick shoes off. Grab something cold to drink out of the Orion cooler. Let's get to this thing. What is up, guys? My name is Chad Brock, and we are assembling our Avengers tonight for Doc Talk. To my left or right, whichever one you are, tell me your story. Hello. Story. Story time. Oh, man, don't get me started. I'm talking about all kinds of stuff. Yeah, give them a little intro. Give them the yeah. intro. Tell them who you are, where you be. All right. Yes, sir. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Dustin Nichols. I'm on the Jackson Kayak Factory Fishing Team, and I'm also the team lead for the South and Southeast regions. I also host a podcast, a little live deal called uh, Chasing the Tide on the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. Um, I love to chase redfish and big speckled trout, but uh, bass still hold a place dear to my heart, and I still like to chase them, too. So multi-species angler, uh, just like to be on the water. Yep, that's me. (laughs) Scott, introduce yourself. Tell them a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah, I'm uh, Scott Brands from uh, Loveland, Colorado. Uh, largemouth, smallmouth, whatever, bass tournament angler down here. Uh, mostly fish local tournament stuff. Um, maybe if, you know, some national trails come to Colorado or my neck of the woods, I'd uh, enter some of those too. But yeah, CKFC, Colorado Kayak Fishing Club, and Colorado Kayak Bassmasters. It's the local stuff that I like to fish down here. Um, on the Jackson team as well, also uh, Eagle Claw regional team member down here as well. So that's about it. And there you have it. This is our guest, Miss Jean Wilson. Hello, all. Hello. Hello. So the way Doc Talk works, this is a show talking about fishing, all things fishing. We encourage audience participation at Doc Talk. Um, audience participation. You guys can ask these guys that are here questions. We've actually got one more guest going to drop in here shortly. Um, but yeah, it's all interaction. That's what we're here for. We're here to talk fishing for the next hour. Um, obviously doc talk is powered by none other than Jackson kayak. Pick up your flex drive, upgrade your flex drive, jacksonkayak.com today. Um, so what's everybody got going on, man? I haven't, Dustin, you're a, you're a repeat offender on doc talk and Scott, this is your first, uh, first trip to doc talk. Mm -hmm. So let's start with Scott. Let's, uh, what have you been up to? How's your tournament season been going? Let's hear a little bit about uh, some of those events you've been fishing. Yeah. Uh, had a really good season. Um, opened up the year with a KBF trail event. That was uh late April. They came down to Colorado, had, uh, their event on Chatfield Reservoir, um, South Denver. I uh, only fished one of the trail series there, uh, had a second place finish. And that was a pretty good start to the season. Kind of carried that momentum through uh, the local attorneys that we had. Colorado Kayak Fishing Club, we 
uh, have, uh, well, we kind of have two trail series in that club, a bass series and a multi-species. Uh, only did the, a few of the bass tournaments this year. Um, they have, uh, five tournaments, your top three, uh, place for angler of the year points. And I fished two, two events pretty, um, and did pretty well on them. First one was Pueblo. I pulled out the victory there. Um, next tournament was, um, oh, where was that? Horsetooth Reservoir, which is about a half an hour, uh, of my home here in Loveland and ended up third place there going into the last, last tournament was on my home lake, um, Boyd Lake. And that was the, that was the third tournament for me last tournament of the year. Like I said, if they had five, I only fished three top three is what counted for AOI. So I knew that I had to finish pretty well there. If I wanted a shot at AOI, um, it was kind of up for grabs amongst me and four other guys. So that was a tough tournament for me too. I went in um, probably as nervous as I've ever been for a tournament. And it kind of showed, um, I would say my success on the water this year was due to basically going out there with positive uh, mental attitude and fishing loose, fishing comfortable. And when I was nervous, I was nervous all week going into that tournament and the nerves stuck with me on tournament day. And I, I fished like crap that day. I was losing fish by the boat. I was missing hook sets and I had a bad day. Um, but I, it might not sound like a bad day cause I finished with 79 inches, but I should have had 84, 85. Um, that was enough for fifth place. I needed sixth place to have a shot at AOI and fifth place was enough to have me take the victory by a single point. So I was really, really cutting it close there uh, the other series the Bassmaster series i haven't fished too many of their events so i'm not in the running for AOI there but we have our championship there down in pueblo colorado this saturday um so that's gonna be a final tournament for me on the season so we'll see how that turns out there's a lot of hammers in that club small club second year that we've uh, been in existence um so only 25 members or so I think we currently have 18 signed up for that, but they're all hammers. So those are really tough tournaments to win, but we'll see what happens. Very nice, man. Very nice. Well, Mr. Dustin, you got some stuff coming up this weekend, some different things that are not yeah. necessarily quite fishing. Um, oh, yeah. Let's, let's hear about that. Stuff. And you're on the Bassin show tonight. What? Mm-hmm. You're on the right. Bassin show tonight. I got somebody asking about inshore, though, so we're going to get to that. <laughs> Like, no, what um, you got going on this weekend, man? We got going on. We got a a Jackson kayak uh, meet and greet on uh, Lake of the Woodlands with the in conjunction with the Woodlands Township. Uh, one of our team members here, Mike Fiorenza, solid guy, my actual redfish tournament partner, uh, put that all together, and we got a lot of us heading over there. Me, uh, myself, Dwayne Taft, Jamie Broad, Lance McWhorter, um, Richard Penny, who is our territory sales manager, and his son Jake will be there also along with Mike, and we'll have all of our boats rigged up like they're tournament ready on display. We'll have some Orion coolers out there. We'll have a little swag to give away drinks, little snacks, and uh, just be talking kayak fishing all day, safety on the water, uh, different techniques and uh, rigging opportunities and where this all is heading. <laughs> be pretty cool. It's going to be a great show and it's going to be neat for people to come and see the boats rigged out differently because your boat's going to be rigged out so much different than Lance's, uh-huh. but it'll have similarities in some of the different things. It really gives people a cool idea of um, how to set their boats up and 
you know, it kind of sparks that imagination that oh, yeah. uh, that is kayak fishing. Wait, we, I've got mail. Oh, who's this guy? What's who's up, that dude? Look at him sitting outside in a beautiful like outdoors <laughs> up there on the on the edge of the. You like? Do you even back? Do you back up to the lake? Lake Barkley's right over there. Like right over You're here. In a good, good Man. place, my friend. You are in a good place. Um, Adam, go ahead and reintroduce yourself. Tell them a little bit about yourself and what you've had going on. All right. So Adam Patron, uh, man, what's been going on? Uh, haven't got too many tournaments in recently, but got Lake Darnell in with Hobie. Had a blast down there. That's a, that's a tricky one, but, uh, I'm here in Kentucky now, Tennessee area. So no more New York, no more snow. Got a lake right behind me. I can't complain. Oh yeah, for sure. It still gets cold, bro. Don't get too excited. It's- you already <laughs> went out there and hammered a local tournament there already too, didn't you? I went and took second. Yeah. Free uh-huh. fishing for the NC. Uh-huh. So it was fun. Good that group of guys there. with the the Clarksville Angler Kayak yeah. Fishing oh, cool. Club. Yeah. Yeah. Adam's a freaking hammer, dude. That's all I know. I was stoked to get him on the team. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go let's get into the nuts and bolts of things. Uh the, Scott, let's talk about the boat that you're currently fishing out of. Uh kind of lay on the people your kayak setup, your kind of kind of the new one here tonight so we'll let them hear from you first and uh, you can kind of fill them in on your boat how kind of some of the things that you've got on it to get out there and tackle these tournaments Rick for a few years now I just got my NAR in um, probably a couple months ago um, and I'm still playing with the NAR too I haven't I've gotten it out probably five six times um, and you know, what I love about that thing is that tri-track running up and down the length of the entire kayak. It makes customization so nice. Um, I don't load my kayak down a lot like other guys. I don't throw motors on it or anything like that. Our local club doesn't allow motors anyway, so I just prefer not to have one on there. Um, I've drilled one hole in that kayak, and it was just to run um, the, the transducer through hole kit to run my batteries you know from inside the hole and i've actually got my my fish finder the screen is mounted on top of the pedal drive and so i was experimenting with that i always kind of i kind of like having that fish finder you know directly in in front of me rather than off to the side um so i'm experimenting with that a little bit but i'm I'm still figuring it out too every time i go out i figure out something i want to change a little bit a little bit more and that tri-track just makes it so nice that you can just move everything, mount it exactly where you want it. Um, but yeah, so I'm fishing out of the NAR. Um, and I got my big rig still. Really like the big rig as well. I'll probably be taking that out occasionally as well. But the NAR is my main boat right now. Very nice. Very nice. I believe everybody here's kind of a NAR user and big rig user and a UPIC user. That's kind of where we're at. And yep. I think we can all attest to the tri-track being such an awesome feature on these uh, new boats. And, you know, it really, it does. It offers so much more rigability and the ability just to stack things on top of things is kind of cool too. It's like, it's just all right there where you want it. And and that makes it really, really nice. So um, on tap coming up, it's going to be fall. So, Dustin, you've got the big event this weekend. Scott, yes. you've got the big event this weekend. Adam, what do you got this coming weekend? Uh, this weekend, hang out with the family. And then next weekend, 
or no, the eighth and the ninth, I'll try to make the the Bassmaster. Yeah, that'll be down on uh, Big Pickwick. Mm-hmm. It's only a couple hours. From yep, and that uh, that's going to be a good event. I got a feeling, especially if this weather pattern holds up a little bit, it uh, it might spark some chewing down there, which could be interesting on Pickwick. You, the real question is, are you going large mouth? Or are you going small mouth? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I will probably have a plan for both. Plan for both. I there like you it. Go. I'm going to need sure. those notes. I'm going to need those notes. Um, so, big event this weekend. Dustin? Dustin? Yeah, we got that one at the Lake of the Woodlands with the meet and greet. Uh, the next yep. weekend, I have uh, uh, Saltwater Survival Series, their flounder event, which also has like a slam pot and a big trout pot and a spot pot and everything. So, always enter side pots, dude. And always then, enter uh, side pots. And then coming up in, in the towards the end of October the 23rd, 24th, we're actually putting on with three bells and, and paddle and fin, um, a multi-species event where you fish for, uh, your best three redfish on Saturday. And, and that's open to Texas waters, uh, just to kind of help. So you don't have to meet up two different days at two different places and all that good stuff. And then Sunday we'll have the live event on Lake Bass Drop and have your best five bass. And then the aggregate total will win. It'll be overall winner with a multi-species event. Now, how much do you think the bass side will play under that? You know, if you got uh, got some inshore fish going on, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, it will. It all depends on who gets into those oversized redfish too, because the slot's going to be eighteen to thirty-two inches. So, and it has to be within the slot. So, if it's over thirty-two, it's not going to count. So, we're going to make it. It's got to make it interesting. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you know, if a guy has a great day bassing, mm-hmm. he can still go out and get it handed to him by the redfish guy. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, we, we put it on a lake that's kind of centrally located. It's about an hour and 20 minutes from me. Um, right. Somebody on the coast down south can get in there in about two hours, two hours and 10 minutes. It's not far away. It's a very easy lake to catch fish on because it's a power plant lake. There's plenty of reeds and hydrilla and millful, um, eelgrass. Uh, you can catch them on anything there. So we wanted to kind of give it a kind of a advantage there to, to maybe saltwater anglers might not be too versed in the freshwater side of things and not make them scared but uh um yeah i've cashed like six checks on that lake <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying you brought in a ringer yeah I'm, I'm 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 gonna fish it but it's just gonna you know be for fun yeah so talking about grass let's uh a lot of these lakes that we go to all around the nation have a lot of different types of grass there's there's several different types of grass actually um that form structure on these bodies of water whether it's offshore inshore or close to the shoreline um you know pickwick uh where adam's headed chickamauga mm-hmm. is is grassy as all get on the tennessee river um what are some of the tips and tricks that you guys got at home for these guys that look at grass flats and the different things or grassy points and they might get intimidated. It, you know, it's something that they look like, I ain't throwing in there. I'm going to have to drag all around that stuff. I'm going to have it all over my lures and da, 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 da. I mean, we've all heard that guy. What are some tips and tricks you guys can give people out there fishing deep, deep water vegetation or just shallow water vegetation? Go ahead, Adam. You got something for him? Oh yeah. I was terrible at fishing grass deep at first because it just was overwhelming and then you start figuring out those small subtleties that you find where 
grass might be a little taller, a little shorter, certain depths of water. So, I mean, my biggest thing would be if you're out there, you're going to have to cover water. And once you get a bite, kind of sit there and see if that's the fish and then figure out the depth, the length of the grass, what type of grass it is. And then just go look for that same pattern in that same flat and you can find it. And that's how I've done well. I typically don't try to fish too much deep grass. It's not my style. But when I do have to, because some of these lakes, you just have to have to make fish want to be. And I just kind of break it down. And that's how I break it down by the the depth, the type of grass. If it's, you know, the where I got caught the first couple of fish, the depth of the grass, if it's three foot from the bottom or on the bottom, if it's got holes in it. And then I just try to try to find that through the graph, the rest of that grass wet. And then catch a fish here, catch a fish there, then leave the that's how I do the deep grass. What else you guys got? What else you guys got? What's some of them lures that you guys like to throw out there in the grass? Oh, Carolina rig, depending on how sparse, if it's if it's not too thick. Um, also, the old ball and chain. Deep, deeper grass, nine to eleven foot, slow rolling and chatterbait, for sure. Get reaction strikes with that. Uh, if it's matted on top, you know, punching Tokyo rig, something like that. Or it depends on if they're keyed in on something up top. You know, definitely frog comes into play. On the the pad edges and stuff, lily pads, um, old pad stems, the swim jig. I love to throw a swim jig and old pad stems, all that good stuff. Um, you know, it just all depends. Uh, you can burn you can burn a square bill if you know how how to set up your square bill to run it at a certain depth. And that, you yeah. know, you're in seven foot of water and it only comes up to like it's only two foot of grass. Or if you're in, you know, twelve foot of water and it comes up six foot, you burn that square bill over the top of that grass. You know, oh, absolutely. You're getting a lot of bites doing that, actually. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you cover water if, in, until you key on what you find. And then your side scan right. plays important, too, to find the little ditches in the in the potholes in the grass also. Yeah. Now, me, on the other yeah. hand, I like to flip at it, you know. Yeah. I like to find some bigger grass. And, uh, you know, I like to sit in, like, 12 foot of water and find tall grass that comes up to the – Little clumps. Yep. Yeah, those little clumps that come up to the top of the water. And I, I like to sit out there – and just throw at them and let that, you know, it used to be fun. Doesn't seem like it happens as much anymore, but throwing the old 10 inch worm with like a three sixteenths ounce weight or oh, eight ounce weight and just let it just fall to that line just goes. Bonk. Yep. And then that was always, that was always a blast. That's probably one of my favorite ways to fish. I have to say, yep. and don't get it happen near enough. I will and if it gets that. tough, you break out the, the a mojo rig. That's a, uh, that's a fl- yep. fluke with a little, uh, little cylindrical split shot probably 18 inches in front of it it's just a little light lightweight carolina rig a finesse carolina rig is what it is now wonders right there (laughs) yep i shouldn't have said nothing about that one yeah just give up your juice (laughs) as we move towards fall obviously grass is going to be a player these fish are going to start cruising back what are some of the things that you guys are going to start looking for um that might be a good insight for the novice fishermen out there um, to key in on as fish start to move back into the fall feed um, and then off into the uh, winter habitat. Chasing the bait. Chasing the bait, yep. Mm-hmm. Chasing the bait. What I did on Darnell, if there was no bait, I was gone. Yep. <clears throat> Got to find kinda, that. Yeah. Yeah, go I'm ahead, wondering Scott. if you guys see this uh, – where you're from here in Colorado, Colorado, our grass is starting to die already right now. Um, I find a lot of bait fish, smaller fish, bluegill, perch, whatever. A lot of times they'll hunker down that grass, but as it starts to die off, 
they become exposed and you'll see a lot of largemouth up shallow chatterbaits up up shallow and that dying grass can hammer them this time of year yeah for sure one knocker spooks walking baits the new yep. z-man uh hellraiser all that kind of stuff um you find feet you know keyed in on some small some shad and stuff keyed in on you know at a herring lake or something blowing up top water <laughs> Blood baits early in the morning right after grass a uh, little you know kicking frog or something uh spro or a zoom or ribbit to burn across the top across that those grass edges in the mornings yeah key it in on them. is that no razor the real deal the, it's it's actually pretty cool something yeah, different I, something i've heard it's different. like a top water chatterbait but i haven't got my hands on one yet it is it planes out and he's got that little wobble on the back and it's kind of it's pretty cool I have yet to I'm see try one on the in person. Yeah, I haven't messed with one yet. Now, it's it's funny as we all we all bring up the chatterbait these days, um, and it's kind of become the hot lure. But there's another lure out there that's um, kind of it's not talked about anymore. It's kind of like the Carolina rig. It's just kind of one of those things that's just eh, spinnerbaits. Mm-hmm. How much are you guys throwing a spinnerbait now? with the chatterbait do you ever find i mean i kind of found this year that going setting the chatterbait down because so many people were throwing it grabbing the spinnerbait and throwing that was actually more productive than throwing the chatterbait around just because so many people are doing it now I carry i've been wondering about rod. that yeah. one our, with the chatterbait one with the spinner yeah yeah and they're always i usually have one each too here in our, our home lake boyda it was crazy. It was stupid how many spinnerbait fish you would catch on that lake year-round. And about four years ago, it seemed like that stopped, and it's been chatterbait ever since. And every year I try to see if there's a spinnerbait bite again, but it's the chatterbait is, is always out fishing the spinnerbait. It hasn't gone back to the spinnerbait yet. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think that's the case, especially when the water's a little bit colder. It seems like the chatterbait excels. Um, but, you know... Spinnerbait still has my heart, so I picked it up earlier this earlier this spring and, and started throwing it around again quite a bit. And man, I tell you what, it definitely got a few bites that the chatterbait wouldn't have gotten, um, just because, like I said, so many people were throwing it. Of course, you know it's when definitely it's unique too because you can just change if you want some more thump, change the blade. I mean, you're, you can tailor yeah. it to the lake you're fishing at. Yes, exactly. And kind of match it mm-hmm. where that they still kind of have that thump of the chatterbait. Then some of those smaller ones too, uh, like Accent River Special and stuff, will come through the grass a little, little better if there is some, you know, yep. sparse strands of hydrilla or something to get through. Um, well, and and you can throw up in a little bit of heavier cover too. You can be a little bit more risky with a spinnerbait than you can a chatterbait. Sometimes I would say, not that I've not lost a few fifteen dollar chatterbaits here and there. Don't tell my wife. Um, they wanted a spinnerbait on Darnell's last. <laughs> Yeah, like a lot of people had keyed in on that bite. Yeah. Now, congratulations, number one. How did you finish in the points uh, for the BOS, Adam? Did you make the cut? No, I. So I actually was only able to fish this one event. Just the one. So yeah, with the move from north to here, I missed the three that I thought I'd make it. So I just jumped on this one to try to to hope for the best, try to get a top three. Right. And shout out to Matt Ball, who is not with us tonight, but was with us the last Doc Talk. Uh, Matt made the cut. Matt yep. is fishing the TOC. Josh Stewart, too. 
Yep. Josh Stewart. Yep. yep. And uh, anybody else off the top of your head? I can't remember. I looked at it. I think that's the only two I saw was uh, yeah, so J.K., Matt, Matt, and uh, Josh. Yep. So congratulations to J.K. Anglers, Matt Ball, Josh Stewart for making the BOS Tournament of Champions. That's pretty cool. Shadow in November. I'll be pretty yeah. good. Well, and, I mean, you guys seen that list today. That thing was – that was yeah. a good who's who. Oh, yeah. It, it really was. That was a uh, that was a list for anybody that made the cut or was just sitting outside the cut to be proud of. Yep, pretty stacked for sure. Basically, any any event, you know, Hobie, Bassmaster, or any like the KBF Trail on Caddo, even though there's you know there's a hundred people, there are still it's like the who's who, you know, kayak fishing pretty much show up to these things, you know. So even a top 12, top 13, top 15, you know, you're like, dang, you know, one fish away from cashing a check and a couple good ones away from winning that was by the kayak. You know, it kind of makes you wonder sometimes, you know, it gets in your head a little bit, you know. Oh, yeah. That's always like Scott was saying about, you know, PMA, positive middle attitude um, and the middle aspect of things is, is uh, it's always a big plus on these tournament days, you know. You can, you can get in your own head so bad. So what are talking about the middle side and, and that is something we like to talk about on Doc Talk and just tournament fishing in general. Um, because it is there's things that are just big in every tournament, whether it's time management, mental preparations. Um, what are some of the things that you guys do to stay mentally focused as these tournaments are going on, but leading up to and during these events? Go ahead. I don't want to walk off. Go ahead, Scott. I don't know about these guys. For me, it's um, don't take it too seriously and just have fun. If I go out there and I'm just fishing, I perform better than if I'm worried about catching five big ones. If I'm nervous, if I'm making the right decisions or not. So it has to do with, for me, that's that's when I fish the best, when I'm just going out there with no real expectations, going out there, having fun, treating it just like any other day of fishing. That's when I do my best. Yeah, I can relate to that right there, too, uh, you know, because you can overhype yourself. I've done it before, back when I used to chase, like, skateboard and surfing contests and stuff. I'd be so amped up that I'd just blow it, like, five times out of ten, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just fall on, like, my second wall, of my second trick or something, you know. It's just always <laughs> something like that. Um, but, yeah, like, just I'm super competitive. That's just what it comes down to. So the main thing I, about me is that I'm going to go till the end. Like the the more time there's a, like on the redfish side of things is a little different. Sometimes you do a lot of sight casting and you're watching for fish to blow up along the shorelines or, or you're seeing them moving in in schools. But I'm constantly casting and scanning and looking for something because you never know that blind cast could land you, you know, eight and a half pound redfish or, you know, 23, 24 inch bass, you know, just from blind casting around certain like key areas, ambush points or certain things. So keep alluring the water, man. That's, <laughs> you know, go to the last minute. Don't give up. That's that's a big thing. About you, Adam. So I fish the same way. I kind of, I will enjoy every tournament that I'm in. That's kind of my motto going into it is going to have fun. My problem seems to be in the last few tournaments where I've been placed well on day one is the time management on day two. When do I move to my spots and do I have enough spots to go to? On Darnell, I 
ran out of once the water dropped that night for day two i straight up ran out of water and i had no place zero place so i had to junk fish all day long and just cut lures off and keep switching them out so uh, i mean time management to me has been my issue recently like yeah and i i make big runs so on darnell i'd run three miles to a spot to fish one root ball because i know there's fish on it it's like i wasted probably two hours doing that both days of the tournament it paid off the last 15 minutes. I got two fish off the same root ball to fill my limit for the day. So I had to make it, but could I found some closer problem? Now we're fishermen. We're, we're, we're dudes. We're stubborn. Do you ever, when you're out there, do you ever, you, we've all got favorite lures, you know, whether it's a, whether it's a jig, spinnerbait, chatterbait, you name it. Do you ever find yourself in those moments when you're out on the water and, and you go, I have got to stop. I've got to change. Cause you're just like, I'm, I want that bite. That is the, that is the bite that I want. <clears throat> the bite I have to have. I want to feel him hit that jig. I just, I just want it. Do you ever have to stop, catch yourself and change it up? Yeah. During free fishing, I have to do that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Mix it up. I will just turn around and cut everything off all 12 rods <laughs> and then just move down the lake and retie when I get there to what I think they'd be biting. That's all, that's all I end up keeping a, a couple, two rods in my hand the whole day and just blowing pre-fish. Uh, I mean, pre-fishing can be a, a blessing and a curse depending on how you look at it. I'll go out there and uh, I'll figure out what the fish are doing to figure out what they're biting. And I, like you said, uh, sometimes the stubbornness, I'll go into tournament day and I will try exactly what was working during pre-fishing and refuse to change when it's not. So pre-fishing has hurt me pretty bad in the past. So I still like to pre-fish, get an idea of what's going on, but if it's not working, I've sort of learned to, okay, you gotta, you gotta put it down. You gotta go, you just gotta go fishing and figure out this new bite. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. Also pre-fishing, you know, you gotta know when to stop sore lipping the fish yeah. you have to you can't just hammer them all day the day before the tournament like if you're keyed on them on that thursday and then you but go you there the next morning picture. no you go there the next morning and you catch <laughs> one fish and get a couple bites or i'll cut the hook off a chatterbait who cares i'll just put a yeah i'm starting to on. bend a lot more hooks than i'll I take hooks to. off my one knock off my spooks yeah. I, I will bend hooks in and that is honestly what gets a lot of guys in trouble yep um we talked about that a little bit on the last episode. You know, it's just, man, it's one of those things. And, you know, at the same time, there's guys out there that maybe aren't like some of us that are competitively chasing these trails. They're, they're looking at this one particular event. They spent 2000, a thousand to $2,000 entry fees, cabin, food, it's a vague, it, it, they've used their last vacation day. They're going to catch fish yeah. at the same time, you know, yeah. and, and you can't discredit them for that because that's what they're there to do. They're there to catch fish in a way. But at the same time, if you want to be competitive at the tournament, you really need to let them lay and uh, hope they're there the next day. So when we talk about the stubbornness, the the one lure. Um, 
what is that one lure for each of you guys that you just no matter what you where you go you you kind of tend to pick it up jackhammer <laughs> That's the same for me. Mine's probably mine's probably the wacky worm, actually. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mine's probably the umdinger. Yeah, if it <laughs> if it gets slow and it just shuts down, I'm picking up yeah, yumdinger or a, a zoom zlinky. You can always it. catch them with them and you can shake them off really easy. So yep. So it's either yeah, weightless stick bait, fluke, or wacky rigged some kind of uh the grande the air tail wiggler actually does a lot of cool stuff that a that a Cinco does not. A Cinco kind of vibrates, but that 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 wacky worm kind of that trick worm kind of undulates, like does it. It's got a little more different action. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. So yeah, I'll I'll put one of them on if it gets tough for sure, and throw it all rest of the day for five hours if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Scott? Yeah, it's the jackhammer for me too. If it's low, I'm going to probably drag a Texas rig crowd or something like that. Those are the two. Now, one of the things, I mean, we can talk about here is stubbornness, but a lot of, a lot of us are starting to repeat venues now as this thing has gotten bigger. Everybody's been traveling for a few years now doing these bigger events, even local, local events are probably the worst. How much do you get caught? Is sometimes let's let's rework this. Is sometimes going to familiar territory a hindrance, where you automatically think, "I gotta go to my tree," or "I remember this spot from last time. This was good there." Does that ever? Do you find that that bites you sometimes? And maybe the guy that has a little bit less knowledge of that place finds that one thing that's a little bit different. For sure, that can happen. I mean. You can fish history. I mean, you can, but it can bite you in the rear, just like you're saying. You know, it can. Definitely can. I haven't been completely caught by that yet because I've been traveling around Louisiana to New York to here, so I've fished all over. So it's, I haven't really repeated too much water. Now, yeah. it almost hurt me in Kissimmee in January this year because I was going to go fish history, but I ended up finding a small pocket. Yep. That can happen here. One of the one of the differences that we have, it's basically everything we have out here. It's reservoir that gets drawn down for irrigation, and our water levels are constantly changing. So you might be on the same body of water, but the, the water level is going to be drastically different from last time you were there. Some spots might might be out of the water that you're used to, so that kind of keeps us on our toes down here. I can see that. For sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> So you guys probably got some deep stuff out there in Colorado, kind of like uh, down Tennessee, eastern Tennessee, eastern Kentucky, where you get into the the deep, deep water. We get some of that. A lot, a lot of it's still kind of shallow. Uh, my home lake's probably only 40, 50 feet deep. Some of the reservoirs, 160. That's probably about that's probably about the deepest lake we fish. Is probably about 160 feet. Yeah, that's uh, that's about what it is here. Cumberland's pretty deep. Uh, Del Hollow's pretty deep. Those are probably my two closer ones. I don't really go to Cherokee or any of those in eastern Tennessee, or I should say don't really go to, just haven't went. Um, so winter series, Adam, you've got uh, you've got a new opportunity for you being down there in Mr. Tennessee now. You're going to have some wintertime fishing going on. Any uh, Anything that you're scoping out early here that uh, you might want to hit up for the winter? I haven't really started looking, but I know I'm going to fish 
whatever I can to. I'll see you at so, Del Hollow December 1st. Yeah, yeah I will be, be at Del Hollow December 1st for sure. Y'all see Adam rising there too, guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind fishing in the cold, so. Yeah, same. It'll be 60. We'll be able to wear shorts. Don't worry. Oh, I like Del Hollow. That's, a, that's an awesome lake. We should come to Dustin. I wish I had some vacation time, Lil. That's why I'm not going to the NC. It fell to fell one week later. Now, that is a good, that's a good topic all on its own, talking about vacation days. Obviously, kayak fishing, most of us have jobs. How much does vacation days, PTO time, whatever it may be, affect your decision on which event you're going to choose? Um, and, you know, just overall budget. And go. Go. It's go all driven by my, my job yep. is completely driven around when I can get out and good stuff. So fishing yep. for me is like usually last minute, zero pre-fish, zero vacation, roll to the boat ramp and go fishing. So. Which is crazy because he, he, he's he, difficult he's, for me. He's hammered quite a few of them just showing up like that in the morning, which is yes, insane. Yes, he has. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it does come into play. Uh, just picking and choosing, especially when you're trying to fish um, some national events on top of some. Texas has quite quite the plethora of uh, bass trails, and then trying to do saltwater events too, and travel to some of them also. So it does. It really takes a toll on the on the planning, scheduling, vacation, and all that, and then working shift work and flop back and forth days and nights, and then. You know, you just got to make sure you got coverage and all that kind of good stuff. So, yeah, it gets pretty – it can get frustrating when you, like, end of the year, like right now I got some stuff I'd love to be able to fish, but I'm I'm out of time. <laughs> if it don't fall on my weekends off, I can't fish it. Well, for, me, just, I'm uh, a, for me, I'm a high school teacher, so nine months out of the year, I basically don't get any vacation time at all. And then it's three months off, which is really nice, but those are the tournaments that I do. But that it's kind of a bummer because, you know, a lot of stuff is going on in October or April, stuff like that. And we're in school, so I'm not getting out for it, unfortunately. But I still, you know, I can't complain three months off of basically just fishing. So that's a good time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know if I would. Com- I couldn't complain about three months off to go fishing. I'd like to try that. I don't know about the whole nine months without taking off, but I had to call in sick a lot. Um, at least there's weekends. Oh, weekends yeah. are always good. So let's talk a little bit about um, panic box. You've, Mike Iaconelli always refers to, if you read his book, he refers to his panic box that he goes back to and uh, pulls out, you know, specific lures that he's got stashed away that he feels comfortable in any situation, dire need. He can grab these lures and hopefully catch a fish. What uh, what are five lures that you guys can look back on through the history of fishing for you and say, I would put this in my panic box, my emergency box, nothing else is working? Number one for me, shaggy head. That's like that's one of my best panic shaggy head. That's a fair one. Nedrig. 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 Nedrig, if you're a month north, for sure. That's 100% going to be tied. 
I'll go with a shaky head because I can do a lot of stuff with that. I can fish around yeah. brush piles, put it in grass potholes, fish it around the reeds, take a shaky head and put a little speed crawl on it if you want to downsize. Yeah, yep. you can do a lot of stuff with a shaky head. Yes, you can. And an Edrick's, honestly, very similar. Very similar in style. Yeah. Um, probably have a jerk bait. I'd probably yeah, have a jerk bait. You know, all the time of year. Yeah. Yeah, jerk baits and tube jigs are yeah, kind of Colorado yeah. staples. Square bill in a Square like bill. a shad pattern and one in like maybe like a crawl color, just in case. Uh, definitely a top water. I've I've caught fish on top water all day. You know, I'm just so confident in a walking bait. It's crazy. Right on. I throw yeah, a lot in salt water. And just, you know, <laughs> I don't throw I just, a lot of walking baits. No, I don't either. Probably should. Now, I just have my last one would be just a basic jig. Have a jig. Now, looking at looking at it from the opposite perspective, you guys got your crate, you got your crates out there, you got your tackle that you keep in your truck. You're gonna walk out there and you're gonna throw one away. What are you throwing away? These, if you had to throw one lure away to make make fighting weight, yeah, square bill. You throwing out. Adam says square bill. I throw out a wacky rig just because I hate fishing it. You and me both. I, th- I throw away the drop shot because I cannot stand it. Even though it catches fish, I just cannot stand doing that all dang day. I'd rather throw a wacky room than a drop shot. <laughs> I I power fish a lot, so you know Texas. We got these all these lakes with all this grass and all this kind of stuff in it. I mean, pro- I mean, I know the drop shot. I know people win cash checks and they do good on it. I just I just can't I just can't get into it. You haven't mastered it. What is, I wasn't uh, a fan until I moved up north. Now up nice. north, it might be different for smallies. <laughs> for the smallies, little flatworm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we keep talking about winter and fall. It's because tournament season's really kind of narrowing down for everybody but Dustin. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> oh, I fish when it's it'd be twenty seven degrees when I launch in forty seven degree water. I'd be chasing big speckled trout. Yeah, I guarantee it. <laughs> Get that luxury, that Texas luxury. So, what's the uh, what's kind of that one lure that you guys are just kind of going to work on through winter? Like, I like to try to pick something out, and just that's what I'm going to commit to a little bit as falls here and things kind of loosen up and there's not as many tournaments. Um, what's that lure that you guys are going to commit to and try to learn here? For me, like, crankbaits. Yeah, yeah, deep cranking, deep cranking with uh, a crank, live target. Crank. I have to get that's, better at that's that's learning the electronics. Swim baits and deep finesse, finesse swim yeah, baits. That's swim a good baits. one too. Yep. 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 Yeah. That is a good one. I think I'll spend more time working with the grass once I get my new grass. So, out at uh, out at Lake Barkley, what's uh, what's one of the areas? Are you impressed with the area? I got to ask you these questions. I mean, we're going to talk about this later, but so I know the area because I, I lived here for eleven years. Of right. my life so far. So I kind of know the area. I like Lake Barkley. I like fishing up in the back of the creek. I haven't figured out the ledges really on Barkley yet, but I do like like the lake. doesn't seem to be fishing like it did 10 years ago. Oh, no. But uh, it seems like the smallmouth have just grown and gone everywhere. So I'm enjoying that. But yeah. And 20 miles from Smallmouth could be an interesting best friend um, long-term since they like to be nomadic and eat. 
and there's this fish out there in those lakes that likes to uh to spawn quite often with the uh, asian carp and if you know those smallmouth turn on and start eating those baby asian carp oh my goodness <laughs> yeah it could be uh, asian carp's out of control here though Holy yeah cow. yeah it's uh that's probably the biggest change that you've seen in 10 years being back um what are some of the things that you've already noticed just being back in the area um, that conservation is doing? I mean, I know they're, they're fishing for them a lot. Are you seeing it as far as, you know, fishing boats out there pulling these things in every weekend? No, I, I have seen some of them launching that are rolling out the big nest. Uh, I still kind of stayed away because they were up in an area I wasn't going, but I have seen them really fishing for them. They're stacked in crazy to watch. Now, I guess, um, so that area is... That might, the, that might have been on Kentucky Lake. No, that was here. I think. can't remember now. That area... What? It, it thrived. Are you still seeing the people out there that uh, was out there, you know? I mean, obviously, you're not seeing the vast amount of people that was out there 10 years ago, but can you tell that there's a lower number of people out there? Yeah, for sure. I I remember there just being bass boats flying around everywhere. I've been out here almost every weekend since I got here, and it's not the same, at least on Barkley. Now, Kentucky Lake, I went over there. and But for here, I'd see one or two back in the coves I was fishing. Yeah, yeah. I can remember going down to Kentucky Lake and, and Barkley. Yeah. And, man, it wasn't nothing to pass rat boats on the road, rat boats on the water. I mean, the pros were there. They went there to go fun fishing. They went there for the tournaments. I mean, there was a lot of pros down there floating around for a lot of years. Um, yeah, the NC should be fun down there. Um, it, it's going to be a real interesting. But I'm, I'm excited to see what people catch. And we've got a big cold front coming in this week. Well, it's here now. It's colder now than yeah, it has been. I'm, First awesome. time I've been in a sweatshirt all night. Yes, sir. And that is nice. <laughs> well, it also depends on what that tropical system spinning up down there in the Caribbean does. If it turns and comes north and bows off and gets stuck and pushes up, and y'all get a lot of rainfall up there, too. Yeah, and to be honest, awesome, yeah, I don't think the rain would hurt us up around this it. area very much at all. It's uh was actually talking to a guy last night and up in Indianapolis, and it's, dude, it's just dry. You know, a lot of the creeks don't have the water. It can rain, and the water might come up a little bit, but the creeks aren't holding the water. Yeah. Um, it's quite like they need to yet. So it's going to take quite a bit of rain to make a move, I think. You might get a little bump, but not much. So send that hurricane on up here. We'll take all it. All right. <laughs> about, yeah, just a little bit of all about the models. Two weeks prior to the NC. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, next year's big plans, man. What do you guys got um, that you're thinking about? Thinking about, dreaming about, where do you want to go for 2023? Hmm. Hmm. Well, I know uh, Elite Redfish Series is going to have a national Texas, Louisiana, Florida Redfish Trail for the kayaks also. Um, Professional Redfish League have some good stuff. I'm definitely going to Try to make a few more KBF events. I'd definitely like to go back to Florida at the beginning of the year. Um, of course. Try to figure some stuff out. It all depends on when my outage at work falls. They're talking about 80 days. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, I, no, sir. 
This year's was 62, and I about and it was during prime like big trout season, and it was just oh, it was miserable. One day off every 14th day sucks. I can imagine. And then, uh, you know, Texas Kayak Bass League used to be Southeast Texas Kayak Bass League. Uh, they got a South and a Central region this year. They don't have a, some other stuff going on. Definitely hit some KBF stuff and hopefully some Bassmaster and then uh, maybe a few of those All-American kayak trips. And we'll see where the Hobies end up again. We'll see what lakes are on, and I'm, I might try to chase a few of those. It just depends on how everything pans out, you know. Oh, yeah. Because I'm definitely going back to Connecticut. <laughs> I was just there at the end of July. Jason Striper got my heart broken. Um, definitely going back up there, with, you know, three bells or a Jackson dealer also. Uh, go up there, have fun, and then, um, and then play it by ear the rest of the year after that. We'll see what happens. <laughs> But you two, what you guys got uh, that you're looking at next year as far as the bucket list? So to, next year I will focus on Hobie. I want. I have yet to make it to the TOC because I've yet to fish <laughs> enough Hobies. So I'm going to focus on at least getting in enough Hobies to put myself hopefully in position to make the TOC. KBF, I'll continue to fish KBF. Goal's always the 10 house. I think I'm sitting 15th right now. So I, if I can make it to the NC – there's a possibility of making the 10 ounce this year. So that's always a goal. Florida, I'll be in Florida the end of January. Cause yeah. Fun well, you were, you were one last year. You were like one spot or two spots out of the 10 house. Pretty much two spots out of the 10 house. And then I yeah. took, and I was like, what, second or third at the temptational. I almost yep. made it yep. in that way. I almost made it in. Yep. Yeah. That's just a fun tournament down there. I love hanging oh, out. Yeah. The so, but yeah, Hobie, KBF, and then, uh, I'll trickle with Bassmaster again too, because the Bassmaster Classic was a fun tournament. Bass championship, and then lots of locals. I always fish the locals. I like doing it. Bet you, Scott. What are you looking forward to for twenty twenty three? Whatever tournaments are going on during those three months I have off, basically. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, uh, there's a you know All American. They re- released their schedule, and I saw three of them. Um, will be when I have that summer break, Lake Minocqua in Wisconsin, uh, Mississippi River down in Iowa, and oh, cool. St. Clair in Michigan. So it's possible I could hit oh, yeah. two, maybe all three of them. We'll see. Then some local stuff too. But yeah, then I heard they changed the poles. So the poles are the lower poles now for this. Yeah, one. 13 and 14 is what I heard. Or did they change it from that? It was 10, it was the normal lacrosse poles. Oh yeah, oh, eight, yeah, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. These ones are thirteen, fourteen down in Iowa. So, oh, that's a little oh, closer. <laughs> that's a little bit closer. <laughs> yeah, they're doing the Friday Saturday tournament too, and I'm kind of looking forward to that. Actually, I think that'd be nice to get out there on a Friday. So, oh, they're going to be Friday Saturday tournaments. Then. Okay, yeah, I might have to look more at their schedule. I know they're coming here in February, I believe. Again, Lake of the Pines, right? The Pines. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm excited about that. <laughs> I like that lake. Well, fellas, I know everybody's we've made it past the 45 minutes. We're headed into the last hour. So, or not the last hour, the last 10 minutes of this thing. So it's always important um, for us at Jackson Kayak to give you guys a chance to uh, thank the people you need to thank. Um, tell them where to find out more about you on the social, the social medias. Um, yeah. So thank them. 
tell them where to find you. We'll start with Scott. Sure. Um, Instagram is Scott Brands. Facebook is Scott Brands. Also have a YouTube channel, Big Fish Bucket List. Kind of small, 450 subscribers or so. Uh, but you can check that out. And currently posting videos once a week. So, yeah. What you got, Adam? So, Adam Patron Fishing on Instagram. Adam Patron on Facebook. Uh, haven't started anything YouTube. I'll do that when I'm retired here. <laughs> but uh, got to thank Jackson Kayak, Dakota Lithium, Rogue Fishing, One Objective, Proto's Custom Rods, and Motor Guide. Without, I mean, you can't do it without sponsors as much as we want to. So, got to shout out to all of them. I'm actually powering every setup with the Dakota box right here, right now, sitting outside <laughs> the camper. <laughs> ah, there you go. <laughs> so, but yeah. you, Dustin? Dustin. Oh, all right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's you, yeah. dude. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for Jackson back in the day. You know, five years ago, taking a chance on this old Texas boy down here in in a still paddling at the time. You know, Jackson kayak shout out. Thanks for uh to Torquedo, big time. That's a big arsenal in my toolbox there. Waterloo rods, uh, Diablo reels, um, catch. Uh, stoked to be part of the catch family there. Um, Yak Gadget, they make some really cool stuff too. The Chopping Block, I got a partnership with the local meat markets, pretty dang cool. Get uh, loaded up with some goodies before the tournament weekend. Uh, Beck and Mass and Coastal Bend keeps me in them fresh GMCs. And uh, Texas Rattler and uh, Grande and Skinny Water Lures. Appreciate all that support from everybody out there. That's been a good deal. So you can catch me on social media right there, Dustin Nichols VTX. That's on uh, Instagram, Dustin Nichols on Facebook. You also have a page for the podcast, Chasing the Tide. That's just C-H-A-S-I-N, the Tide. And then I also have a YouTube channel. I don't post a whole lot on there, but, you know, every now and then I'll put something up, Tidewater's Fishing. Uh, when's your next podcast? Uh, my next podcast will go up a week from this Sunday. We'll have another Jackson Kayak Team Guy, Ram Garcia on there with us who also has a uh, show spooled life live there you go there you go check out uh, check out dustin's podcast check these guys out on social media um again we'd like to thank jackson kayak uh obviously this is powered by doc talk is powered by jackson kayak and orion coolers uh orion coolers we just had a big price drop cheaper than new yetis so go out there and get yes, yourself sir. an orion cooler figure out why we like to keep it cold um Jackson Kayak, the Flex Drive Mark IV is available to everybody. Go get you one. Time for an upgrade. JacksonKayak.com. It'll be the first thing you hit when you when you go onto the website on your mobile phone. It's going to be the first thing that pops up on the screen. Your chance to upgrade to the new Mark IV right there live at JacksonKayak.com. Yeah, and at select dealers, which happen to be and a whole bunch dealers. of them. And I left one of them out. Three Bells Outfitters. Duh. Yes. I'm on their national team. I got on that this year. Penny Fork. Um, there's actually yep. there's Good actually stuff. a list of dealers that have these things in stock. It's in the same link when you click on the on the deal when you get to the page. So, with that being said, thanks for watching. I would say thanks for subscribing. Well, thanks for subscribing if you've subscribed. Uh, we'll have this up on uh, on Spotify, YouTube, all the place where you could find your social podcast, except for Apple, because I can't figure. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks for watching guys we'll see you for the next one